E B E Ole Talking Pleasureship Telepathy Contact Ivana Podhorskia and Alona Podhorskia 27th October 2018 5 Peter Anthony Finn Screenwriter it appears that some starships can shrink in size, conversely expand in size. Is this true, and is it done telepathically? Answer from EBE. We have got our technology to create information into our fields, crops. We're sending robotic spears to this task. So the small orbs are also expanding to a larger ship in the shape of our original ship. We do this by using formulas. Our program information imprinted into crop circles, into fields. This is how we can program contraction and expansion of our ship. Our orbs and ships are changing. Everything is one in one computer in this direction. Telepathy is on different bases for development of energy and using plasma. Every ship during impact landing and entering about above up your atmosphere under atmosphere. Every ship changes itself, his program in a computer and changes its plasma as to be stable as possible and possibly to change its shape to a smaller axis, axial track and larger axial track. Every plasmatic part of the ship has driven his axis to rise above, about the surface. On the surface of the ship can turn off plasma to a lowest frequency to keep the stability preference Prevalence on the way back. Everything is controlled by, by the program. Plasma and um, by us so we can accomplish and achieve what we have to, to achieve. We use telepathy between ourselves themselves. We sound like young Falcon. For people this sound is unusual. We reduce Hertz below twenty one and young Falcon as it, if it was its sound. Twenty one Hertz is unpleasant for to human ear. You've been listening to EBE talking. Year 51. A5 UFO encounter of Diana Foltz. While in her early 20s, in the mid 1960s, typist Diana, Diana Foltz would witness two UFO sightings. Each occurred as she drove along the A5 near her home in Shrewsbury. Shropshire in the United Kingdom. What's more, as it will come to light later, another local resident had similar encounters at the same spot. The area of these bizarre and mysterious events on the A5 is more is only widely, readily speaking, a stone's throw away from RAF Cosford, the site of the most well-known and most credible UFO encounters in UK history. As, as the report of Diana Foles was brought to light by the larger community, UFO community, by a UFO researcher and author, Red, Nick Redfern. During his work, time working in his native United Kingdom, he came across the account of National Archive, the governing body behind the report. Prospect and security services were based at controversial Rondell Manor at the time of the incident, a place of apparent secrecy and cover-ups of many UFO and conspiracy circles. A bright circular object on the Mumford Bridge as she was driving a five road towards her family home from Shrewsbury. Twenty-year-old Diana Folks, with witnessed events of fascinated and 
being elderly. It was about around 2am she was approaching the Montfort Bridge which stretched over the River Severn. Suddenly the entire area was light around and lit up. The source of this sudden glow of light was a circular object which was almost directly overhead. She watched the object for only a second or two late before fear and adrenaline kicked in. She pressed down hard on the accelerator, now in a hurry to reach her own destination, to an to alarm, brightly lit object followed her. It remained at some height and distance, but all the while it casually pursued her vehicle. When she finally arrived home, she ran from the car and alerted her parents. Both of her mother and father witnessed a st- strange dish-shaped craft from the garden of their home. The craft made no sound of any kind and glowed on a yellow, pale yellow colour. After 30 minutes, it rapidly began to get smaller and smaller. So it did so, it began to change to orange-red glow until finally it was gone. All three witnesses were soon the object speeding away from them. Both Dan and her parents were allowed to keep the sighting to themselves. A similar report occurred. Every so good, they would seek advice from the military. Razor lights administered to electric shock sensation. Almost exactly two years later, on the 8th of November, 1966, Dynamo encountered what seemed to be the same craft. What's more, the encounter would take place at almost the same spot. As previously, just prior to midnight, she neared the same bridge, the glowing round craft appeared in the sky overhead. This time, however, it was much lower to the ground than before. Dynamo reported that she could see the rays of light emanating from the airborne vehicle, as she did, had before, though somewhat calmer, she continued her journey home. As before, the object followed her, maintaining the same distance throughout, at least initially. After several minutes, a strange craft suddenly approached the vehicle moving car. As it made its way past, the lights from inside briefly penetrated the vehicle. She was described feeling a bump against the side of the road car, while the same moment, feeling a, the same moment, feeling a sensation like electric shock in her neck. Simultaneously, left hand side headlight went out. The object would cut back away, back away again, and then maintain its distance before vanishing. Slowly after returning home, however, Madonna would again feel very ill the rest of the evening. Military denial connection to Mr. Griffin. Two days later, her second account on the 10th of November, 19, 1966, Diana's father would contact Flight Lieutenant Williams at RAF Shrewsbury. He wished to be, he wished to know the military shed any light on the incident following along the A5 that left his daughter frightened by the object in the sky. This was, he reported, the burn marks on the left side of his daughter's car proving that something was somewhat certainly off over the road that evening. A letter dated 11th of November would arrive at the folks' home on the 14th. It, it, in it, it informed them that no service aircraft were flying in the area. Time and incident. Not that Diana seriously considered the military as being behind the bizarre sightings, though she wasn't sure exactly what she'd seen. She believed it was, a, it was probably connected to another local resident, resident Mr. Griffin. According to her, Diane, Diana and many other terms, but Mr. Griffin was reported to have been in contact with the occurrence of these bizarre objects. Furthermore, there were some there were some claimed he and some got inside the otherworldly vehicles. Further still, the contacts of Mr. Griffin taking place in the same bridge where Diana witnessed the glowing disc. The incident remains unexplained. It is, it is however, far from the only 
you have a sighting in the region of the United Kingdom. One of the earliest recorded UFO sightings in Shropshire occurred in September 1912, when in the evening special comfortable Phillips, along with his mother, witnessed an orange bottle globe-shaped object in the skies over Stratham Hill. It would change, hang motionlessly for some time before eventually disappearing. In August 1963, just over a year before the first of Diana Folk's sightings, Kevin Bing reported seeing a green fireball in early hours. So bright was the object outside that it woke from sleep find his entire room bathed in green wash. He would then put the object remained in light sight for five seconds before suddenly vanishing from the sky. U.S. sightings in support region seemed to explore the late 1990s and continue abundance today. Many reports describe an upper triangle cross with lights on each corner, glowing circular crafts. Many reports also speak of yellow, orange or even white lights. Activity of the area of United Kingdom is beyond doubt. For the most part, though, there are sightings of faraway craft. Two cases in the summer of 1981. Alien abductions on the M85 at 1981. Perhaps one of the strangest encounters took place in the evening of 16th of July 1981. Three friends, Rosemary Hawkins, Viv Hayward, and Vivian Valerie Walters, were driving home for Salisbury to Elford with each. With when each of them noticed strange lights overhead, Viv, who was driving, would increase her speed. It was soon apparent the lights were following the vehicles. They would, they would head towards Telford's police station to report the sighting. It was only when they arrived that they discovered a 20-minute journey taking them just short of an hour. All three were convinced something had happened during the half an hour or so. They couldn't, we couldn't remember so much so that all three agreed to under another regression. The accounts of floating towards a metallic object as well as four-foot aliens, erotic voices were practically identical as the drawings they produced. Perhaps one of the most interesting details was all that they described feeling big and clumsy, maybe suggesting a drastic altering in their perception, astrophysic conditions, or even their reality. Over four days later came another most almost identical case that occurred in almost the same location, referred to as only Tom, Main witness is travelling along the same point in A5 as the three disco goers. As he did, a very strange light lit up the sky in three shops, which was just above Tom, described the craft as looking like a double decker bus, all eliminated. It made motionless for some time. Then a blue light emerged up from the underground side of the craft, reached towards the ground, turning a shade of green as it did. The next thing Tom knew, the craft was speeding out of sight, electrical pace, electrifying pace. It was then he realised three hours had gone by. The Forgotten Cosworth UFO Incident On the evening of the 10th, 1963, a little after 11.30pm, a craft seemingly from another world partially landed on the grounds RAF Cosworth. What's more, the incidents were witnessed by several personnel at least according to the rapidly increasing rumours. Military also d- military didn't do themselves any favours either by putting out continually contradicting statements to the press. One was stating that nothing at all had even occurred. Another said the sighting was mistake due to two drunken apprentices. Yet another claimed the incident to be nothing but a hoax. While another claimed 
a steamy train responsible for unmistakable claims of UFO landing. Not surprising, many UFO community begin to ask if the UK military had to hide. This is Area 51. You've been listening to the A5 UFO accounters of Diana Folks. Area 52. Tony Dodd's UFO sighting has sparked an alien investigator. Tony Dodd is quite rightly still viewed as one of the leading UFO investigators in the UK ever since his death in 2009. Not only with the, for his influential critical in the organising of independent UFO research in the United Kingdom, his influence was global with the international reach of his observations. Don was not a long, lifelong UFO or space enthusiast. At the time of his first sighting in 1978, he was an all-future police sergeant, a highly respected one at that. Dodd would continue to see that these mysterious crafts have during the last decade of service with the police. In 1988, he retired from the force and actively investigate UFO sightings full-time. He would not become an expert in such encounters, but an alien induction and sickly conspiracies have revolved around them. Incidentally, these sightings would result in Dodd capturing a photograph of the object, sent it for analysis to the great ground source of watch, in Arizona, the GCSW, were largely viewed as genuinely incredible, perhaps in part due to their having the nerve to take on the CIA in court over the freedom of information. This action has exposed many cover-ups to no longer be seen as just conspiracies. Dodd's photograph was not only confirmed to be genuine, with no chance of being that hopes that also his distinction of being the first confirmed photograph of a UFO from the United Kingdom. In his opening chapter of his 1999 book, Alien Investigator, Dodd would write about the first time he was witness to a UFO sighting. He ran to 13am. He was driving around the lonely roads of Skipton as part of his supervising the night patrols. He would, uh, he would most nights, he would head with him a beat officer who he picked up a short while back as much for company for himself as to give the beat officer some time off his feet. This particular night a call came over the phone police radio regarding a fanatic housewife whose husband had not returned home. Her instincts had told, told him by the time he arrived at the property the husband would be, would be home so all the worse for too many a re- recent tongue lashing from his right angry wife even so, they duty band investigated the report. They returned the vehicle into a quiet country road as a shortcut to the destination of the village gunnery. The, the, the roads are narrow, and at one point, the street curves in, in them. Facing Dodd to keep the, his speed at the, to maximum, at one, on curve, at one of these curves, both men noticed a grove of light around the corner as there were no buildings around this cooker road. Policeman confronted, expected to see the oncoming vehicle. As they turned around the curve, each one was confronted with a massive disc of dome shape at the top. It also had dark, small, round, dark potholes along the side, as well as skirting at the bottom. Dodd slammed the brakes on the police car. As the vehicle came to an abrupt stop, each man was clearly would now see clearly the underside of a disc. Dodd would write half three 
three half spears protruding from underneath. A triangle visible. Dodd and the best new young beast officer opened their car doors and stood looking up at their fascinating craft. It moved about twenty miles per hour towards some woodland in the distance. From the vantage point it seemed to be descend and only an hour glowing ball of white light was visible to each. Eventually they two disappeared. After a moment of quiet decomposition, both men have turned their seats inside the car. With a quick discussion about the object might have been, Dodd started the engine. They drove forward. Dodd now, in two minds, continued his original destination of pursuing the strange car. Of course he could locate it. For several minutes, lights again came up in the distance. This time it's headlights of another police car. As the police vehicle went, met, they stopped alongside each officer. They went, each officer, the windows, doors, the driver's window down, winding down, winding down the rear windows. Did you see it? Did you see it? Said came to search divided as a driver of another police car. Dodd informed him he had police, three police officers, strange notes and ideas for for going on their duties. Dodd would, would continue to investigate the missing husband, who was a suspect, no longer missing, but continuing continued to put his wife in his wife's good books. He returned to the station to make contact with Lee's Bradford and Manchester Airports. Lee's, Lee's Bradford radar was shut down in the night and Manchester had no records of any unknown crafts. Dodd would continue his shift at finishing 6pm but not but not able to keep put the sight seeing out in mind yet. Did you see it? Did you see it? Said the sighted voice of the police car. Dodd had phoned in the head. It's a free car's explained notes and ideas going on their duty. Dodd would continue to investigate the Mr. Hubbard, who was suspect, was no longer missing, but certainly not in his wife's good box. He returned to the station and made contact with Leeds Bradford Manchester Fultz. Leeds Bradford radar was shut down at night and Manchester had no records of the unknown crafts. Dodd would continue to his shift, finishing at 6 a.m., unable to put the sighting out of his mind. Dodd would have many other sightings over, over this last decade and with the police force. He would bring people with him at Elkhurst, but eager to see these strange appearances for themselves. Although Dodd didn't actively seek about, speak about his work, most close to him knew of his interests as well as his sightings. One time, for example, his son-in-law, Anthony Grant, who accompanied him in the Yorkshire Moors, they negotiated the quiet country lanes, eventually arriving at a hill, where Dodd would directed the vehicle towards it. As they reached the top, a large cigar-shaped object filled the view. It was hovering silently and lit, lit up and down to the line of lights along its side. Dodd would state it was the waiting for us. Two men stared in awe at the huge craft for several moments. Then a bright light emerged and it began to descend, eventually disappearing from the sight. Another occasion, this time, the two colleagues were pulled out in the mall late one night when they were around three or four hours and began to look at the nothing consequence with the current place. Dodd would step outside the car to stretch his legs before planning on driving home for the night. He did so to immediately notice a huge craft hovering silently directly overhead. It was brightly lit by many colours like faint lights of Christmas tree. Dodd would never would late, state, state later. His two witnesses were vacated to, 
to the vehicle, and the three men stood watching an automated craft. On another occasion, the two were too crazy, parked in the mall late at nine. They'd been around three to four hours before they could look through nothing concurrent to take place. Doug would step outside the car to stretch his legs before planning to drive home at night. As he did so, he immediately noticed a lot of huge craft hovering slightly directly overhead. It was brightly lit in many colours, like fairy lights and Christmas tree. Doug was late to stay. His two guests were vacated a vehicle, and all three men stood watching the royally craft for several moments. They then shot directly upwards at lightning pace and was gone. One bitterly cold morning late 1968, a little after 4am, Dodd would experience another sighting. On his usual patrol duties, Riverbeat officer in the passenger seat, the police car was hampered by the fact it had been snowing incredibly heavily for several hours. Because of this, they focused at slow low speed consistently as they travelled along the narrow and twisting roads. Suddenly, they appeared atop of them many hills in the area. Both noticed a bright light in the farmer's field below them. Realising even the most ardent farmer wouldn't be out this time in the morning in the apparent river, Doug brought the car to a stop and watched the light. Almost as soon as he did, the mysterious craft began to move, it remained low to the ground, shivering around the surface with the grace of a champion ice skater. As usual, there was no sound audible. Both men watched the object as it made its way over the fields, eventually disappearing into the ocean distance. Dodd would continue to drive out onto the moors, and just when he... Not just when his police duties called for him to do so, but quite normal friend who spent several hours, four or five times a week, sat watching the skies for otherwise lonely spot in the north of England. Perhaps more informally, he usually did see something. That this, I began to realise, was perhaps not coincidence. Perhaps whatever the intelligence was behind the crafted crafts, they, they were subsequently calling him to the moors, which is, with, with his... Well, with his hand, he studied. She attempted to make contact. Dodd would, try, would take to keeping a powerful torch in the glove box in his car at all times. Whenever he was in the moors, he would see the mysterious crafts. He would stop his car and flash his torch, the object, and attempt to create him more, some form of basic communication and acknowledgement. One seven morning, in 1982, somewhere in the early hours between dusk, the acknowledgement came. That morning, Dodd and two friends, also with an interest in UFOs, are sitting in Dodd's parked car on top of the moors. Each class of last cup of coffee attempt to ward off the cold, breathing the cold. Dodd opened the car door and stepped out to walk around for a moment or two. He let out all the glasses, both brought out the two other men above them, a large black triangle object with small coloured lights and the shape of a diamond. 
with underside covered above them. The car began to move upwards, prompting Dodge to reach inside the car with very trays of coal. She quickly flicked it on and off several times before pointing it towards the craft. Then, much to his disbelief, Craft performed a sweeping new turn, came back to where the man stood, and hovered for no less than 30, 50 feet above them. He was so close that he could see the irreparable effect of the mineral of the windows. He was like on them to the obscured grass look used in modern bathroom windows. Where an amber, light, amber beam of light was underside, changed from amber to white and black again. This repeated several times, and it felt a very obvious and underwent response to Dodd's signals. The signals Dodd had been Dodd had been experiencing for several years already. It increased following the encounter of December '92. They only reinforced the notion that it was not pure chance that Dodd was present when he appeared. But again, he wondered whether his decision to keep running to the returning to Mordor was his or one place in his mind by high intelligence. On the evening of the seventh, November, nineteen eighty-three, Dodd interviewed his wife, Pauline. During another account in Dodd's own words, like this evening, she largely viewed his sky-watching as harmless hobby. At little before 8pm, they were driving towards Bolton Abbey and Eglinton. Pauline suddenly exclaimed in surprise, My God, have you seen that? Dodd had t- turned his attention to where the wife, to his wife's wife gaze was. She could see his graph overhead for soon hundreds of tiny red lights. His crafts would pulse on and off simultaneously. As a married couple watched the craft, it would sweep down towards them. After pass, passing closely over the top of the car, it made its way towards the free stop that ran along the side of the road. It soon out of sight. Pauline would then would describe the object as similar to a child's spinning top, with certainly view her husband's sighting were more significant than mere hobby. The craft would then reach soon and re-emerge and go straight towards the still-packed Park car is not travelling on speed, however, which gave Dodd ample time to reach out for the camera as he he kept in the car. As it was moving towards their vehicle again, Dodd snapped several shots of craft. It would be one of these pictures GCW would confirm as being authentic and genuine. Tony Dodd's influence and the global UFO community remains, and his work is still valid. Perhaps because he's not anti UFO community, and he puts key notions or even interests as subject combined with his valued skills as a police sergeant, while his work of most credible and valuable. Dodd, still several other, like several other researchers, believe partner scientists were choosing of some kind. He would state that he would like to do this, have to do this thing think about UFOs and that they happen to appear. As well as they went on, he believed a subtle telepathic connection between him and the intelligence between these strange crafts developed. He began to believe that their faults were not summoning him, or more, or it, merely they were summoning me. Well, so you've been... Here's a little bit. With a tiny dot speaking for the mid-90s. It was 20 years ago, it was a long time, 1978, when I was a police officer. 
actually had a confrontation with one of these things when I was uh, uh, a, 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 a working police officer and um, I was on duty one night in 78 when me and a colleague actually had a confrontation with one of these things. Where, where was this? This was commonly near Skipton in North Yorkshire and uh, we, we, I was driving a police car, he was the observer and we came round a bend in the country lane and there was this thing sitting in the air in front of us and uh, it was absolutely stunning to see. It was a huge disc, about 100 feet in diameter, and a dome on the top of it, uh, with what appeared to be portals, darkened portals around the dome. Um, it had a skirt in a, um, around the underside and uh, coloured flashing lights, which were flashing on and off, almost like a neon uh, sign effect. And there was three large um, globes or balls Side, they were spaced evenly on the underside. I stopped the car and we got out. Uh, there was a very, very heavy, heavy static had come on the police car radio at that time. Um, I don't know the cause of it. It may have been because of this thing was there, but um, it would be right to jump to conclusion. But this static suddenly set up on the radio and uh, uh, I got out of the car, both of us did, and we stood there sort of open mouth looking at this thing. And it slowly moved away from us. But despite it, uh, despite its enormous size, there was, there was no... Um, repeatedly 
which I'm absolutely convinced they're taking place. Finally, there are people probably watching this interview and wondering, is this man for real? Are UFOs real? If you were to look at that person right now, what would you say? I would say, first of all, seek and you will find. But don't just condemn this subject without investigating it. It's very, very easy to turn around and condemn things just off the top of your head. We've put a lot of time and a lot of years into this investigation. And I can assure you, without any question of a doubt, that aliens are here, aliens have been here for a long time, and aliens are in contact with various elements of the military and other um, countries, uh, diplomats. Uh, it wouldn't be prudent to me to say any more at this time, but if you, you can believe me if you wish, if you don't believe me, well, that's entirely up to you. But I gain nothing by saying these things. Only these are the things that uh, I have uncovered during my investigations. Hi, you've been listening to Area 52. The Tony Dodd UFO sighting that sparked an alien investigator.